Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, I'm Zach. Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. Alright, everybody, welcome back. Another episode of the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. Very glad you could join us uh, yet again. Hope you're enjoying everything so far. As always, joined by Zach and Robert. Hey, yo. And if you haven't listened to us before, welcome. If you have listened to us before, definitely um, whatever you're listening to us on, drops a like, drops a review. It really helps us out, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, let us know what you think of the podcast um, as we keep uh, kind of barreling forward here. Um, tonight's episode, we're going to try to kind of switch gears a little bit. Um, kind of looking through our back catalog and realized we may have touched on it a little bit, but haven't really done a deep dive into prayer, how to pray, what to pray, who can pray, just kind of all the aspects and kind of the nitty gritty of, of prayer. Cause I think it, um, confuses some people and I think there's a lot of questions about it. So won't, uh, won't hold us up. Zach, Robert, uh, take us away. All right. So. The basic subject of prayer is definitely something that it's interesting because prayer is one of those things we're usually more comfortable talking about it than actually doing it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of well, honestly, mm-hmm. we treat prayer like we do physical exercise. Like we know that we oh. got to do it. <laughs> we buy the membership to the gym, and we know we're doing it this Friday. And then Friday comes, and never mind, we're going to do it this next, next week. weekend. Yeah. I'm off that day, and then you get off that day, and you're exhausted from work. You're like, I'm not going to the gym today, and it just <laughs> never happens until you cancel that gym membership and feel terrible <laughs> about yourself. But. uh what prayer really is, I think one of the things that are so confusing about it is uh, something we touched on before we started recording, uh, the three of us talked about. There's kind of a confusion of what it actually looks like. Mm-hmm. And um, if you ask ten Christians, you might get ten different answers or one or two basic answers depending on where you land on the traditional spectrum. Because there's been there's been a rich Christian tradition where prayer is seen as... A very very formal writ. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and I won't lie, I love that stuff. There, I, like some Puritan prayers, some very solid biblical prayers written. Um, they are some of the greatest things that will inspire your faith. But but like when we do bread. it, yeah, like sliced bread. <laughs> but when we pray, does it have to be like that? And we think it's such a chore. Um, I've actually heard many examples, and maybe these two guys have too, where. A non-believer or a baby believer uh, will try to pray, and they have this idea that it has to be some kind of a rhyme. They'll say, <laughs> "I don't know any prayers." I've heard that sometimes. I don't know any prayers. Like yeah. it's a, okay. like it's a poem you're supposed to recite. Yeah. It's like I didn't memorize any psalms, therefore I cannot pray. And I would argue that that's not the case at all. I mean, real prayer is literally just talking to God. I actually heard it said one time that the word prayer in its basic form literally just means to communicate. I am technically praying into this microphone to you guys. I'm speaking to you. Now, the reason that that got so big with 
con- the context of talking to God is that word started being used from the Greek to talk specifically about speaking to the divine. And so now we have the concept of that specifically te- talking to God, but prayer itself is literally just one side of a com- of a of a conversation. And so I would I'm I'm in the camp that argues it's not meant to be very formal. Now if it is, if you mean it, phenomenal. But if your brain is just overworking mm-hmm. to pump some theology in there and pump some poetry in there, it, it, do you really have a relationship with that with that God? Because I mean, you get married. And if you're asking your spouse to move over and let you into bed, this person's hogging too much of the space. You're not going to write a two-page benediction to <laughs> you just move over. Doth woman, dost thou takest thy too much room? Please vacate thy premises. Thou with the broad shoulders, shalt thou roll sideways <laughs> unto me? I mean, who does that? And um, one. <laughs> Wow, I love it. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I love it. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> one, th- one way I heard um, uh, one pastor uh, really got to the bottom of this, and I love the way he put it. He said, if you fell into water and you had to beg somebody, or especially God, to get you out of there, you're drowning. You're not going to try to gasp for air enough to recite a 10-minute monologue. You're just like, help me! <laughs> You're not going to think twice about it. And <laughs> so, so, make concern, if it's not too much trouble, <laughs> please. please throw me a life vest. Um, <laughs> Save me from these this foam and this raging sea <laughs> before the Kraken drags me down and only to be... But, uh, Davy Jones' locker. <laughs> uh, to be or not to be Davy Jones. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm in that camp where prayer is meant to be casual. Um, that's where I would always tell people to lean towards. It's when it is most casual, that's when you really mean it the most. I mean, Jesus himself is preaching his Sermon on the Mountain. He even says that there's no benefit to loading down your words like the pagans. And I have read some pagan prayers. Mm. And there's an example I read one time. It was found on a plaque. And I think it was to Dionysus, one of the Greek gods. And it was literally, uh, Dear Dionysus, Please help me with my day. Amen. Now, that would have been very simple to pray to the God of the Bible. But this pagan prayer put so much fluff in between those two lines. Dear Dionysus, please help me. Instead, it was Dionysus, the wonder worker, the great one, like packing all these titles in. It was like a page of text all the way down this plaque before it just got to the point of, could you please help me? It's like, (laughs) well, he's not not real, but beside that point... This is the way that the pagans prayed. They thought that the the pagan gods would actually reward them for their oratory. That's why you see rhetoric as such a broad aspect of Greek education. Hmm. They loved to speak. That's why Paul was trained so well to speak, because he grew up in that educational system. And it was all to try to appease Olympus. And, God, and Jesus is saying the one true God does not care how well you recite anything. Adam and Eve were made in his image from the very beginning, and nothing's going to change that. So you cry out for help, and he is going to hear you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what you say or how you say it. And it can be at any time. But uh, that's a great way to start the episode. Well, yeah. I mean, I think the gospel even says, you know, um, God's closest to those who, like, cry out. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. In, in their most desperate, their lowest point. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, you're not going to be thinking about how, you know, 
how formal your sentence structure is when yeah. you're at your lowest point and you cry out to God. Right. Like, mm-hmm. but that's, uh, I think, you know, he's closest to you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in that moment. Right. Yep. Well, and, and I think just to kind of tag on the, I mean, and I agree completely with Ro- what Robert's saying. Uh, the other aspect of it is, is like, is your, the condition of your heart. Mm-hmm. And that's really at the, the very core of Christianity and Judaism. Um, whenever you look at the Old Testament, you know, God was like, you know, all these sacrifices and these things like that. I don't care about those. I care about your heart, the condition of your heart. I can't remember what psalm it is, but David talks about it in mm-hmm. uh, Psalm. I want to say it's one of the earlier psalms, but it was basically just saying like God takes no delight in the offerings of bulls and this and that, but He wants a contrite heart. He wants a heart that is open and yielded to Him, and that by doing that, whether you spout out King James. Or, you know, you say, hey, God, help me, please. Um, either one of those, if your heart is right, you can, God will honor those prayers, if that makes sense. Like, those those are pleasing prayers to him because it's the condition of your heart. Um, and, and can you have fluff? Add stuff to it, like in the sense, like, God, I know you want me to share the truth and I need to share the truth help me to share the truth you know there are things like that that kind of help you capture you know like where your mind needs to be as Mm -hmm. far as in that prayer whenever you're praying for someone or what have you it helps bring that into focus but it's not a necessary thing because you can just say hey God please help me speak speak through me speak to this person who's crying because she lost her husband or or lost their child or what have you you know give me the words that I can say to comfort them I mean that's using prayer and asking God to help you through those situations and I think because you're trying to do that you know like honorably I think the Lord is pleased with that if that makes sense and, and I feel like oftentimes if we don't watch it, we get caught up in, well, it needs to be this way, it needs to be that way, it needs to be long or it needs to be short. At the end of the day, those things don't matter. It's not to say that they can't influence your prayer life or something like that, but, I mean, whenever you realize that this is a privilege, I mean, prayer is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing I think we take for granted, especially, I mean, you know, you know, most, most Christians take this for granted because we have the opportunity to go to God's throne boldly. And yet at the same time, we rarely do it because maybe it's guilt, whatever. I don't know. I feel like prayer is one of those spiritual disciplines. Like it's like, you got reading your Bible, which people rarely do, and then you got people who pray, and um, that's a lot of water. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's raining, <laughs> but it's not, but it is. 
We did that yesterday, and I'm not turning the dang thing off. Uh, okay. We're selling this building anyway. <laughs> 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 Let it well, rust. <laughs> Let it rot. But um, just going back to what I was saying, of course, we can edit this out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think I think we get caught up in, in, in the uh, uh, spiritual disciplines. Like, we... we I want to say I, I don't. I want to be careful when I say this, but it's prayer is one of those things that's most neglected, but it's one of those things that's most needed in every Christian's life. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, I feel like we do. Sometimes we do a good job of reading the Bible, and then, but prayer is one of those things that it, it has like two functions. One. You're crying out to God, and and two, it's also you're submitting your will to God's will. And I think there is a level of maturity there mm-hmm. whenever you say, you know what, I want X, you know, maybe it's healing, um, or maybe it's something monetary or what have you, but whenever you go, but God, if this is not, for me, if this is not what you want for me, help me to be okay with that. I think that that avenue creates a maturity, a Christian maturity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is desperate in myself and also in Christendom because we so often treat God kind of like what Robert was saying earlier. You know, we often treat him like he's our our go to guy. You know. I need this, I want this, give me this, you know, regardless of the consequences, regardless of what it might do to me morally, you know, <laughs> go Lord, you know, have me win the multi-million, billion dollar, whatever, and, you know, and God says, okay, yeah, sure, here you go, and then next thing you know, you're divorced, you're remarried like 10 different times, you know, you got 10 different kids, and, and, and it's just a mess, and you're on drugs, and it's like, or you could not get those things and you could just not have those temptations and struggles and your life might just be better without those things. You know, yeah. there's like that wisdom. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, just the idea that we uh, pass this over to God, sometimes he already knows exactly what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he is... Uh, he's going to do what he's going to do regardless of what we pray. Then other times I really do believe there are things when at times God already knows what he's going to do about something, but he actually waits for us to pray Mm -hmm. before he finally moves. He's waiting for that relationship to unfold. And I think that's one, one reason other than what I cited when we started the episode about people misunderstanding what it is. Another reason I think we struggle with the prayer is just because that is the more active half of our relationship with God because um and I don't I'm not going to say that studying your bible is passive but I'll call it that because you're receiving information as opposed to giving information out back to God mm-hmm. and I think some people they get more comfortable doing that like like how many times have you been in a classroom or seminar and the presenter will ask a question and even if everybody knows the answer not a soul wants to speak up Mm-hmm. And they'll sit mm-hmm. and they'll stare at each other, daring somebody to use their vocal cords first. And so I think that's a part that part of human nature that says, you know, I would 
much rather just continue to sit back and receive the information rather than leaning into that relationship aspect with God. Uh-huh. And uh, what Zach said that it was, you know, one of the most neglected, but it's absolutely pivotal to our faith. I read a small book by Tom Rainer, and he was talking about uh, church revitalization, churches that, you know, get their life back. And he said uh, he did a, a chapter on prayer, and he said this is definitely uh, the only thing that every single church that managed to turn around and find new life, they all used similar things, but the only thing that they all did across the board was recommit themselves to prayer. And he said that it was something that they actually, when he interviewed these churches to find out what they did to be successful, they didn't even list prayer as one of their tactics. It was just a precondition to everything else. Like they Mm -hmm. didn't even consciously consider, oh, we recommitted to prayer. That was step one. No, they they saw prayer as an absolute essential. Whether the church lives or dies, Uh we've got to pray. Right. And so they did that before, in their minds, before they took step one. Mm -hmm. And so Tom Rainer had to basically peel that layer back to realize, oh, this is the first thing that people did, and they weren't even conscious of it. And that is a very, I would argue that's a very healthy perspective to have, is when it becomes such a part of you that it is something that you forget to mention in your spiritual life, you'd still do it. But you're not checking this off of a list. It's just a part of what you did. You put on your clothes today when you left, I hope. But, (laughs) yeah, but it's such an essential part of life. You put those clothes on, but you didn't even think about it because it's such a part of what you do every Mm -hmm. single day of your life. Mm -hmm. If we could get to that point where we are praying, we're not counting how many times we've prayed today. We're not patting ourselves on the back for how well it was Mm -hmm. or what it was, like you said, the contriteness of your heart. If that could be mingled into a lifestyle of prayer, to where we are praying continually, but we don't see it as a burden. Mm-hmm. Just a quick, Lord, I need your help on this. <clears throat> uh-huh. All day long, every day. It's just a simple mm-hmm. part of life like breathing. I think that's a very, very healthy state to be in. You're much more in tune for God to use you and speak to you when you're connected to Him that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and lengths of prayers, you know, I mean, you see, there's one instance in scripture where there's um nehemiah and just kind of background a little bit just a tiny bit nehemiah was a cupbearer for king i can't remember he was a persian king i can't remember his name off the top of my head well he was literally like just sad because of the way the the uh his jerusalem was the condition because it had been destroyed and it had been left desolate for years and he was just downcast about that and so the king looks at him, sees him upset, and says, what's wrong? And depending on how he answers this, you know, Nehemiah, there's a lot that could happen there. And he just prays, like, really quick. It's just a short, like, you don't even get what all he says to God. You just hear like a, you know, like a, he prayed. And then he answers the king. So it's like, there's an instance of, like, he literally just said, God, help me, or something like that. Help me to answer this, you know, honestly, or something, you know. And then you have Jesus who talks about, you know, like um, whenever in the New Testament when he talks about, uh, uh, you know, how to the model prayer, like a lot of people think that you have to pray the model prayer or something like that. 
And the reality of it is, like, the model prayer gives you kind of like an outline, but it's not something that you have to necessarily prayer, pray. Um, there's no, like, set standard. There's no set, well, it needs to have five words, and you need to say Jesus, and you need to say God, and you need to say amen. Like, there's none, none of those things. I mean, there's times where I feel like, honestly, I've, I've prayed more like, God, help me through this. And I felt like more calm and at peace versus me having one of those times where I'm, you know, got my Bible out and I've read some scripture that morning and, and I kind of like weave in some of the stuff that I've read into the prayer. Like, you know, God, you've done this in the past. You'll do this and you'll do this again and help me. You know, I mean, both are praying, God, help me. Mm-hmm. Whether it's help me with this day or help me in the situation, what have you, mm-hmm. and both are pleasing because it's the issue of heart, not the length of it. Um, so I think that's one thing that we have to always keep in mind. That I mean, there's no rules as far as prayer goes. Again, it's just talking to God. It's just you speaking to God. Um, now. In that, you know, God can respond uh, a yes, a no, and a maybe. And the no's and the maybes, or the or the waits rather, not so much a maybe, but more of a wait. Um, those are the ones that we don't like to hear, but those are the ones that sometimes we need to hear so that our character can then develop. Um, prayer is one of those things. I, I mean, I said it earlier. It's just it really is the Holy Spirit taking a chisel and like beating out the um, the uh, the hardness of heart that you have I mean whenever you're broken hearted for someone and they say pray for me and you pray for them and you doing and you're doing it and you're praying that God would heal that person or restore that marriage or whatever you know, that is a a thing like I'm trying to think of how to, that is something that's pleasing to God, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And so whether you say God help them or you utter out all the the details that you know, you know, the thing is is that those things they're important, but at the same time, I mean what matters is your willingness to pray those things. And I think, um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I feel like a lot of times when we do those things, when we when we pray for those people that are lost, you know, the the number of times you pray, it I think it depends upon the situation. Like when when is too much? And I think back to the time where Paul was like he had a thorn in his side we don't know what it was but he prayed three times and God's like my grace is sufficient for you you know and he no longer prayed after that because you know God answered and said nope you're going to deal with this thing whatever it was you're going to deal with it and then there's other instances like for somebody's salvation or something like that, especially like a family member's salvation, man, that's something that's on your heart, and you're going to think about that, and you're going to pray 
for that prodigal child or that prodigal parent or what have you. You know, you're going. There's going to be there's going to be a, a passion in that prayer that would not be there if there wasn't that family connection. Mm-hmm. So I feel like going kind of into that whole the whole uh, uh, how often do you pray? How many times should you pray a certain subject? And I say it just depends. You know, it depends on what it is. I mean, like again, going back to somebody's salvation. You know, obviously you have to submit to the fact that that person has a will and their will might be they don't want to be saved. You know, you don't want that to be the situation, but that could be where they are right now. And you have to accept that that's where they are. And God's not going to violate that person's free will to make them be a believer. I know I got some probably some people out there who might, you know, disagree with that but at the end of the day i mean that's the reality um as far as people coming to faith and things like that i mean uh if that makes sense and and i feel like i feel like the more um the more uh passionate the prayer the more i don't know how to even say what i'm saying uh Just, never mind. Just, Robert. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because one thing I've always struggled with, and I'll be the first to admit, like this is one question that I genuinely have um, that I don't know the correct answer to. So you hear a lot of pastors, you hear a lot of sermons where they say, you know, pray expectantly. Mm-hmm. And that's always confused me a little bit of just like, well, if we're praying, you know, obviously we're praying for reasons so the pray expectantly but kind of going back to what you were talking about of like praying about the same thing over and over because mm-hmm. some sermons some pastors you know they tell you or you know they encourage that mm-hmm. like you're supposed to ask you're supposed to keep mm-hmm. but at the same time <clears throat> i struggle with thinking and this might i don't know this might be completely wrong theology and definitely correct me but I've always kind of got it in my head that that's a little disrespectful almost because like God can literally and freely do whatever he wants Mm -hmm. and he's already got all of reality mapped out and like what you were saying uh, Robert kind of towards the beginning of this he already knows what he's going to do his decisions already made he's already got everything planned out so if you pray for something like number one he hears you and if you're sincere in your heart he knows how sincere you are about that mm-hmm. and so you know if if he's waiting for a specific event he's waiting for a specific time or maybe maybe he's orchestrated something that's told you no and maybe you've missed it or, or whatever i don't know the situation but like praying for the same thing over and over i've always thought is just like it's it would be almost akin to well i don't really have faith in you either that you didn't hear me the first time or that you don't have everything planned out and maybe you'll change your mind or maybe you'll whatever i don't know i've always kind of struggled with that as is kind of disrespectful like when you have a little kid you know i'm sure 
you know, well, <laughs> your son's probably not that age yet where he's doing that, but you always hear the tropes of like your young kid who's just constantly asking, Hey mommy, <laughs> Hey mommy, Hey mommy, Hey mommy. And they're just asking for something over and over. And eventually it's just like, what? Stop. We're not doing that right now or whatever. And it's yeah. just like, you know, and so not that God gets annoyed with us right. or anything like that. Well, not for prayer, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. he, he definitely gets annoyed with us, I'm sure. Um, but no, um, well, I guess, you know, it's just like, you know, if, if you if you're sincere and you pray something, you're lifting that up to God. He hears you. Mm -hmm. He knows your heart and he's going to do with that what he will. Right. And so I don't know. Is, is my theology off on that? Like, what's the I mean, what are uh, your thoughts? Me personally, <clears throat> I mean. I think, I think there might be times like, like if you're continually praying about something, especially if something you've not heard a clear answer on, mm -hmm. um, how receptive are you to hearing a no, or hearing a wait, or something like that? Mm -hmm. um, because I, I think. You know, this probably isn't something you can nail down with every single instance, but it goes back to the condition of your heart. If your condition of your heart, each time you pray for whatever it is, if it is in the right spirit, in the right uh, mode, I guess, not mode, that's probably a terrible way of saying it. No, I, mean, I get what you're saying. But, um, like, yeah. in the right manner, um, then... I, I wouldn't see him being insulted or upset by those things. Um, I mean, I, I, I again, I, I think it's more of the condition of the heart mm -hmm. each time you bring that up before him because he might be, because, I mean, I, I, I think of one instance in the Old Testament, there's a, a king named Hezekiah who was told, hey, look, put your affairs in order, you're going to die. And, you know, it was a prophet that came to him and told him that. And he literally wept and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And it even says in the text, it says, God heard his prayer and extended his life, I think, like 14 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was because he prayed. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, so there is an element to where because he continued prayed, like, God granted something that he wasn't going to plan on doing. Um, I don't know. It's it's one of those it's one of those hard subjects to when is when is too much too much or is there such a thing? I I I think it just depends on the subject matter and what it is because yeah. I mean, if yeah. you're praying for somebody's salvation, you know, pray for that every day. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, God would want to Mm -hmm. you, you know, answer that depending on that person's free will decision, mm -hmm. but um, he most definitely wants you to pray for that person's soul. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I feel like there's a '70s song in there somewhere. You said how much is too much, and I just over here. I swear I remember something going much too much. Do -do -do -do. We'll probably get dinged for copyright now. <laughs> <laughs> no, just you because it, it was terrible. <laughs> I think it's, if it's under ten seconds. I think it's good. Free use, but uh, <laughs> uh, derail back on the track. But uh, uh, for me, I've thought long and hard about that because yeah. you know, 
And the conclusion I'm at right now is I think it actually changes for each individual situation. Like there you go. we okay. said, God knows what he wants to do about X. Mm-hmm. And when you pray about that, it could be something he wants you to just knock on his door for the rest of your life, like the salvation of a friend. It might be something that like Hezekiah, like he was playing. He said he, he was, I think it was kind of a, like an Israel covenant thing. Like I will end your life, but I'm willing to do it if he comes after, because if he cries out to me, because Hezekiah, I mean, everything else fell in, uh, fell behind and he just focused on crying out to God. And it's not because, and I want to say it carefully, because I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself. I think God didn't necessarily change his mind, but he already knew what Hezekiah would do. He already knew how he was going to respond to that. He already mm-hmm. knew that in a universe, if Hezekiah didn't, he would just go ahead and end his life. But knowing he chased after him like this, I think it was a chance to kind of keep Hezekiah's heart that's been softening, mm-hmm. give him more time for that repentance, and also for other people who hear the story to see the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. It does change things. But uh, God knows what he wants to do for each individual situation. There are some situations I've heard people, like they'll pray over and over for something, and they feel the need to do that. And eventually God answers the prayer. He was waiting for them to just pour everything out. Then there are some things where they've done the same thing. They'll be praying and praying, and all of a sudden they'll feel a direct hint, and they believe it's from the Holy Spirit. It's like, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. We're just It's time to stop. You're wasting your energy, and they just never pray about it again. And so I think it's many different layers of uh, the will of God. And I don't mean to go into some Calvinistic rabbit hole, but I really do believe in very basic. <laughs> I'll say this and move on. There's things God could do. It's on his mind. He knows how you're, you'll react and how he'll react to you. But then there are things that he already has set in stone mm-hmm. in his own heart, and he's not going to change that. Yeah. Like if I prayed every day for someone to get saved and God knows that's just not going to happen. He never wants me to stop praying, but he knows that's never going to happen. But it does fuel my heart for evangelism. And there are so many different situations like that. Mm -hmm. Things that God knows he's going to allow a church to die for his own reasons. He knows he's going to allow um, your house to be foreclosed. You know, things that you pray for and pray for and it just doesn't happen. He already knows but he already knows what his plan B for you is on the other side of that that thing you do not want to happen. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is you pray to him and you kind of wait to see how he responds to your prayer, mm-hmm. whether you pray for it again, or whether you're meant to back off and accept it, or whether you're just meant to go at it like a chipmunk on wood for the rest of your life. And, you know, the more you pray for that, and we keep using the example of the lost friend who won't repent, the more we do that, the more it fuels our heart for evangelism <clears throat> in general. Mm-hmm. And even if your friend, uh, if your friend never believes it's on them, if your friend even has a deathbed conversion, in that moment it would have justified all the prayers that you've spent those years mm-hmm. chipping away at. Because there's one quote, and I actually used it just a couple of Sundays ago in my sermon. C.S. Well, Lewis, oh, C.S. Lewis, the right, the author of Narnia. I agree with most of what he says. 99% of all his quotes are gold. There's one thing he said, I believe it was in Mere Christianity, but I don't necessarily agree with it. He said, prayer does not change circumstances ever. It just changes my attitude 
towards what's already going to happen. Hmm. And sometimes that really fits. But I disagree because if prayer doesn't change things, why would we pray for God to move? And there are times in Scripture and in our lives where God does not move until we pray, mm-hmm. until more people fall on their face, and then he chooses to do what he's been planning to do all along about something. Right. And so I do disagree with him there. Like mm-hmm. Prayer changes things, but, but sometimes prayer will not budge God if he already knows and he's already said in it, and it's not going to change his mind. But we have to be prepared for all the above possible responses because again it's a conversation he's not a genie Mm -hmm. we don't ask the magic eight ball and just wait for it to come out of the sky (laughs) now some preachers will tell you that and that's dangerous as can be Mm -hmm. it's a prosperity gospel pray obey especially give to the ministry that the person happens to be part of the blessings will pour out oh big surprise the blessings will pour down like rain and of course Scripture promises blessings come, but they have a whole different definition of blessings. Usually that means closeness to God despite the storm, uh, small bits of kindness that God chooses to give to you. But prosperity definitions, they're talking about promotions and new Ferraris and massive pages. Literally everything that God would not want you to just have handed to you because it will rot your soul. And it shows that they, uh, the preacher either doesn't really understand God's nature or he just doesn't care because he gets to use God for his own ministry and his own career. And that's a terrifying place to be. <laughs> it's very terrifying. And sheep who listen to this and they do not understand the nature of God enough to hear a false teacher when they hear one. And that will destroy your hope in him that'll destroy your prayer life before anything else with you give yourself over to a prosperity understanding of christ and that version of him disappoints you and i promise you he will some people might get mad at me for crushing the prosperity gospel under my feet but the second it doesn't work for you you'll realize that you've been lied to anyway mm-hmm. it's dangerous mm-hmm. it will it, it'll cause a lot of damage and might even ruin your faith and relationship with god if you allow that to well i mean the reality just just <laughs> so we can kick it to the curve a little bit more here Ba-ba-bum. um the you know the whole idea of the prosperity gospel really throws in the face of jesus i mean he was perfect uh did no wrong, taught perfectly, did honorably, never did a single thing wrong or evil, and was crucified. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, okay, so according to the prosperity gospel, if he would have just kept on giving and giving and giving, then he, <laughs> he would have just got good stuff back to him. Yeah. Right? But that didn't happen. He got crucified. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Then you had, then the other aspect of it is, you know, you had the thief on the cross who did a whole bunch of bad stuff uh, up there till the end, really, and has a last-minute repentance. But according to the law of prosperity, you know, he's done all this bad stuff, so then all this bad stuff, where does that go? I mean, you know? <laughs> so it's like it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't, doesn't jive because Scripture, you know, if you, if you really hone in on what all Scripture teaches, uh... There are times where God blesses you financially, and that, and that, and it's there. I mean, Old Testament, Abraham, all that, absolutely. But then there's also time where you get locked up in prison. Joseph, who for years 
was in prison because Potiphar's wife couldn't keep her hands to herself, and he she was embarrassed when he said no, and she said he raped her. So there's false uh, accusations against somebody, and he was in prison for a number of years. Again, you know, bad things happened to somebody who was innocent. I mean, again, Jesus crucified all these, you know, prosperity gospel is only like one part of the gospel, yeah. you know. How many times was Paul and John the Baptist locked up <laughs> yeah. in prison? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Paul was preaching and people didn't like it, so they picked up stones and they threw them at him and yeah. almost killed him. Some some people believe that he was killed and then came back. I mean, come on. Let's mm-hmm. let's keep going here. I mean, yeah, prosperity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If if Paul of all people had had more faith, he would have had bling on those sandals. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, you're going to tell me that uh, aside from Jesus looking at uh, examples like Paul of Tarsus, the apostle John, Simon Peter, all these people died a horrible death because their faith of all people wasn't strong enough. Wasn't strong enough and or- they these could are have the, prayed just a little yeah, bit more, yeah, <laughs> a little bit stronger. These are the people that stuck their fingers right through the penetrated holes of, of Christ's wrists. I mean, <laughs> you're going to tell me that their faith was not, you know, not as strong as this megachurch pastor up on stage strutting his stuff? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> but I mean, they, as just as a side note, I mean, I mean, we're, but okay, let's go and let's move forward to. So uh, we've talked about how often to pray, what to pray. Who can pray? There's a good one. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the blessing to be able to pray. There's no one that has to pray for you. There's no one that needs to pray for you. Um, But you have a ministry. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can pray. You should pray. It is a a huge blessing. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a huge... Uh, tool for ministry. It's a huge tool um, for uh, spiritual growth. Um, and when, when I, what do I mean when I say a huge tool? Okay, I'm not going to say there's not people out there that say, hey, can I pray for you? And they won't say no, get away. Because there are people out there that will do that. But most people, even if they don't want anything to do with Jesus or church, they're like, Man, is it okay if I pray for you? Don't have to be here. Doesn't have to be in front of anybody. I'll do it, you know, privately. You know, is it cool if I pray for you over this situation? Nine times out of ten, that person will say, "Yes, please pray for me." You know, and that builds a bridge between you and that person. And whether you see that person again or not, you have put a good mark of what Jesus is in that person's life does that make sense like you have been an ambassador in a good way because there's also being a bad a bad ambassador but we're <laughs> saying just a good ambassador um for jesus in those situations so i mean it's a tool to pray for people it's a blessing to pray for people it's a blessing if i could even speak um it is a blessing to be able to have the privilege to pray, and I, and and we don't do it enough. I don't do it enough. Lord knows I don't do it enough. Um, and and it's it's something that every believer has the opportunity for and can do and should do. Not to try to like mm. put some sort of like 
spiritual something on you or like guilt on you. I'm not trying to do that, but it's just it, it is a it is a huge blessing that and and. and to think that the maker of the heavens and the earth and everything in it from the smallest cell to the giant universe cares what's on your heart, what's on your mind, and wants to actually talk to you. That is awesome. And I think if, honestly, if I would grasp that, I would pray more. Mm-hmm. And pray uh, less fluff and more just stuff more just genuine from the heart right just, yeah just right if that makes sense and and so i mean man if 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 you don't pray i mean not i'm not trying to like discourage you or nothing but i mean that's 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 the that's like the meat and the potatoes you know it's like read the bible is good and you need to do it but prayer man prayer is also important and and so often neglected and so often when we act like uh well-meaning christians that don't necessarily reflect christ like we should nine times out of ten there's one or two deficits one is a deficit of reading the knowledge reading the scriptures and having the knowledge the other is the deficit of prayer and usually that's that those two things are where we 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 struggle with I struggle with and or we struggle with one but not the other I mean and that's just something that we all have been gifted to do and we should do and we need to do we all should be prayer warriors um, is is a calling it is a blessing it is something that we should do and not take for granted so let me just ask a question um because this is something you kind of are you hear a lot of people say this of of the whole um you know to kind of go back to what you were hitting at of there's only one prayer that like a non-believer there's only one prayer that god hears from a Mm non-believer and that's you know if if they do accept and, Mm -hmm. and they turn to the faith so and this is just kind of just kind of getting deep just as a good thought experiment just see you know nice. whether y'all have thought the same way so is it is it god does not hear those other prayers or he just ignores them if they're coming from a non-believer if they do cry out or i've also heard some people say and i don't know if this is true or not um so like i said you this will definitely could be a rabbit hole we could jump down of I've heard people say like it doesn't really matter kind of how you pray because the Holy Spirit kind of translates that mm-hmm. before it like filters through before it gets to God. Right. And so you have that Holy Spirit sitting in between you and actually, you know, God mm-hmm. that that prayer is being filtered through. And so people who are not believers, mm-hmm. obviously they don't have the spirit. So that's not really getting filtered Mm -hmm. so you know and i thought yeah it's kind of interesting but i've never known you know if that was sound theology or not um you know not having you know being trained or anything not studying that deeply into it so kind of what are your thoughts on that um um, well i mean immediately what comes to my mind is you know i think god 
in the sense of being omniscient and omnipresent and all those omnis that are out mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. Um, and biblically speaking. Yeah. Um, I think he hears them in the sense that he is taking note of them, but he's like, I'm trying to think, like, he's not like, the the whole idea of the Holy Spirit kind of like speaking in between does make sense, and I think there is an element to that mm-hmm. um, because it says so in Scripture. Um, so I, th- that would be the definite um, mm-hmm. uh, position there. Um, so I would say that someone can God hear prayers outside of those in the sense that He hears everybody. Yes. Yeah. But in the sense of actually doing something about that prayer, now if that would lead that person to Jesus, I think he would do something like, like if that person, let's say, f- for instance, was a witch, and they didn't necessarily, they kind of believed in the supernatural, but then they're just kind of iffy. God might do something for to that person that will lead that person to Jesus, to point to Jesus. If that makes sense, like mm-hmm. it might open their mind to something to reveal the truth to them, if that makes sense. And if 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 their will one day actually come to the truth of the gospel and embrace it and believe it, I think God could do something in those people's lives. Um now, he also knows people who don't repent, and I think, or or are doing it for show, like I've met people who are atheists, who say they're open and they're willing to go wherever the evidence leads, but in reality, they're really not. They're just trying to attack mm-hmm. your beliefs to get you to not believe the truth. And I think there's people out there who might jump through the hoops and say the right types of words, but their heart's not in it. Um, and it, that's just falling on deaf ears, if that makes sense. Um, because God knows our hearts. Mm-hmm. And and the reality of it is, is no one comes to the Father except through Christ, through mm-hmm. Jesus. You cannot come to Jesus or excuse me, you cannot come to the Father except through Jesus. He is kind of like if you imagine, if you imagine a pin, and there is a gate to that pin. There's only one way in, and that gate is Jesus. If you try to go to the backside, it's not going to happen. There's the wall is too high. I mean, <laughs> it, it can't. It, if that makes sense. Robert, oh yeah. You go for it. Oh, you're fine. Um, I'm tracking where you are. I would say that God knows that person's prayer, hears it just fine. But one big obstacle to that, uh, since this non-believer does not have the relationship with him that we have, the Holy Spirit isn't inside this person, usually they tend to pray a prayer that God would not honor. It's something without the sincerity, like Zach has been saying, the sincerity of heart, uh, it's a prayer for something very selfish. You know, please, Lord, make me win the lottery. 
help me become more sexy. I mean, anything stupid you could think of that yeah. goes through people's minds. And even when it sounds good to the Christians, to the, to the Christians, like yes, God, if you're really there, I mean, I, I want to believe, but their heart is actually way over there. They're saying the right words, but like it's not in their heart. No, it's not at all. And uh, I kind of think loosely of that scene from the movie Bruce Almighty where he uh, answers all the prayers yes, Mm -hmm. and the next day it's absolute chaos because people have been praying very selfish things all over the world. Like countless people won the lottery overnight. One guy grew three more inches taller and, you know, stupid stuff. And and God isn't going to honor prayers like that. He's looking for people whose heart will pour out for the things that God cares about. And that's actually one thing that we actually take for granted when we talk about praying in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. We usually think of it like signing the end of a letter. In Jesus' name, amen. Stamps into heaven. But when Jesus said, your prayers will move mountains if you pray in my name, he meant praying for things that God would care about in the name of Jesus Things that God would want to bless in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Lord, provide for my baby. Don't let it starve. Please help me and my wife make this marriage work. Save that person across the street. Help me not to get retaliatory because they keep making fun of our faith. Stuff like this Mm -hmm. that pours itself out to God. and uh, A non-believer just on the deep level, they just don't get it yet. Not to say that they're stupid, but they don't have that aspect and that that dimension of uh, relationship that we do mm-hmm. until they step over that threshold into faith through that pen that Zach mentioned. Um, and so he definitely hears those prayers. And if in his wisdom and sovereignty he chooses to answer a prayer, a sincere prayer from a non-believer in the affirmative, like let's say someone did pray that, please help me make it with my wife. Please don't let my family fall apart. Please don't let me lose this job. And he chooses to bless that, to show his goodness. It would only point towards the goodness of Christ. It's not to let that person keep going, oh, mm-hmm. look how awesome I am. Mm-hmm. I'm, a ma- I, I'm the man. And God knows exactly how they're going to react to that on mm-hmm. the other side. And that's one reason I believe God chooses not to bless many, many of those prayers because they don't have that relational dimension. It all goes back to that heart. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, amen. And to answer your question, Brian, about the Holy Spirit thing, mm-hmm. funneling and filtering, Paul does mention something mm-hmm. like that. And where they're getting at is Paul says, and he's just encouraging Christians who probably felt too weak in their prayers, mm-hmm. and they probably grew up in that same yeah, Greek yeah. mentality. The rhetoric's got to be phenomenal, mm-hmm. soaring and amazing. Mm-hmm. and and you know your aunt's over there stuttering like crazy. The pronouns are gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a flawless adjective connection to the direct object. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, he's encouraging these believers by saying, and what he actually says in context is, don't worry if you felt like your audible prayer fell apart, like the words you used mm-hmm. crumble, because the Holy Spirit he. What he said is the Holy Spirit is already groaning for you beyond words. Mm -hmm. And so what he knows you want and the sincerity of your heart, he already knows that. He knows that before you even got started praying. And so the Holy Spirit is going to make sure that that is blessed Mm -hmm. in the way that God intends to answer that. And so if you're, you know, if you're uh, half asleep late one night and you're terrified of something happening and you're begging God 
to all the things I've already mentioned, family, you know, something that really matters. And the last half of that prayer just kind of falls apart in your mouth. God already knows what you're trying to ask him mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. You have the Holy Spirit, and God yeah. is going to answer in his wisdom. Or or even get going back to that, like, or you're struggling with some sort of addiction or what have you, you know. He, he and you can't even get the words out because you're just all to pieces. Or you're, you're emotional, like, you know, you, you've lost a family member or something like that, you know, and you just, like, you know what to say and you know how to say it, but you just don't have the strength to say it, I, th- I think is another good example of that, of where, it, and just, like, whenever you, like, say, you know, like, outwardly, you just go, God, please, you know, like, just the brokenness, I mean, it translates... It, Perfectly to like what his um, his understanding is, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. he knows what where your direction is going. He knows where your thoughts are that you can't even utter about the person that you're praying for or yourself for the situation. He knows that, so it's like the Holy Spirit just takes those things <clears throat> and and fills the gap, so to speak. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Morning and evening. <laughs> okay. We haven't talked about when we should pray to the Mother Mary. Oh, <laughs> I say nay. Okay. Nay. I, I say it. the nay. Well, there's like a billion Christians who do it. I know. Christians. I do it every other Tuesday I'm when it rains. Right. No, I'll probably but, edit that out. But, well, I mean, I don't know. It's a legitimate question. So, I've never understood, like, why in the... And I'm not attacking Catholics. Right, right, right. I genuinely don't understand kind of where they got to where they have to pray to the Mother Mary. Because they they believe in Christ, Mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. They, on paper, they're... They're like 90% of their theology sound. Oh, yeah. And I've seen a lot of, like... I was just scrolling through YouTube through other things, and I landed upon this Catholic sermon. Mm-hmm. And a very charismatic uh, Catholic priest giving a really great sermon. And I was like, yes, this cat's pretty good. Like, this is a pretty good sermon. And then he gets to the whole praying to the Mother Mary, and he's like, okay, well, now there it is. You know, now you're starting to lose it here. <laughs> right, and it's yeah. just like, so it's just like they're... they're <sighs> I, I don't know. I, I, I struggle to find like where they think that that is doing anything. I or... think I th- now I, I, I want to tread carefully here because yeah. I'm not Catholic and I don't know a whole lot of Catholic people. So if I misrepresent, And we're not insulting. We're not putting yeah. them down. We're not making fun of them. It's Mm-mm. it's genuinely like because they're, no. they're brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. It's, it's just. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've just never really understood like where in the Bible, like what what Bible they're reading. Well, and, and I think part of that goes into you have the authority of the church. So you have Jesus, who's who comes and says, "All right, Peter, all power has been given to you, and on you you build the church." Yada yada yada. Mm. Um, and so a lot of times there's sort of like this idea that tradition, like the church tradition, kind of gets elevated 
to where like they the the these holy men and women I guess depending on Catholic Catholicism I don't know um, but they have like this divine like ability to kind of like transcend what the scripture says to what is being promoted by the church and I think traditionally speaking where praying to Mary comes into play is um, is in that tradition aspect where someone has come along some pope or, or saint in the past some somewhere has said hey it's okay to do this and maybe even there was some sort of pagan origin in that there was some uh, maybe figure of woman figure that was being prayed to and they kind of like took that and reconstructed it to where it's Mary or whatever there's just there's just a lot of where the church kind of like bypasses what the scripture teaches and kind of like their authority is kind of like where it's at if that makes sense I think that's where a lot of this stuff, where you don't see it in scripture, but it, it is taught in the traditions, I guess. It is. Because that's one thing that kind of sets us apart from them. And, and I do believe there are several Catholics, if their faith is genuinely in Christ, they will be in heaven. And uh, I would never just bash Catholics right, for right. being Catholic. And I know many Christians in the Protestant camp who do that, and it's just ugly. But. Mm-hmm. The difference between us and them is theologically is, you know, we have one hand out. That's where we hold our Bibles. They have two hands out. They believe that the Bible we have and share, and the traditions that have been passed on by the Mother Church, and it's and it's it, they're called its doctors, its teachers, its theologians through time, saints, saints two thousand years of tradition, is just as inspired. And so they hold out both hands, the Bible and the tradition. And it kind of built itself up like Legos on a foundation. Is They started to ask, well, how is it possible for Jesus to be born without sin if he came from a female human being? And their solution, it was a philosophical way around this, is, well, maybe Mary was sinless. Maybe she was the one sinless human in all history. And so you don't explain how she was born sinless when she had very sinful human parents that that problem just bounces back a generation. Infinite, infinite regression. <laughs> infinite regression. And then, of course, the Catholic Church says that um, holiness is greater when you're single because Jesus was single, Paul was single, therefore singleness equals better. And therefore, Mary was always a virgin, and that's when you have the perpetual virgin Mary. Mm. And the Bible really strongly hints that she and Joseph had other children after Jesus. What? What? It, <laughs> it literally says in Luke, and I quote, Joseph did not take his wife sexually. Joseph did not take his wife until after the child, that one child was born mm-hmm. from a virgin. And they had fun afterwards. Yeah. It's like, and well, it's okay because you're married. Hello. So did Joseph and Mary just sit in rocking chairs and hold hands and watch the sunset? No, like every day. Okay, this is paying a very bad image. <laughs> I'm gonna stop while I'm ahead. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, probably good. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. Like, did they seriously be married for years and never did any? 
anything marriage related, if you know what I mean. This is getting awkward. Nothing. Never. <laughs> never. The words virgin birth should be awkward, but they're not because they become cliche. But, uh, think about it. But, uh, <laughs> but then. Heretic. Heretic. And then we add, um, on to this the doctrine that they literally teach. There was a pope that taught eventually that, uh, Mary ascended to heaven physically just mm-hmm. like Jesus did. So yep. she never died. She's in heaven alive just like her son. Mm-hmm. And she's the holy mother of God. Now, it's true that she is the mother of Jesus, and she is one of the most faithful figures in all history for what she did. But it doesn't mean she is sinless. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean any of this. In her great song in mm-hmm. the Gospel of Luke, she finds out she's going to have a baby uh, while being a virgin, and she busts out into this song of praise, and she actually says, My Savior. And so it hints that I, too, need to be saved She's going to be saved by her own baby. But, uh, Thus beings, therefore, she is with sin. With sin, just like Not any without. one of us. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, this all leads up to she's sinless. She's physically in heaven, like without shedding her physical body. She's up there. She's the holy mother of God. Therefore, if I want someone to pray for me and that's I actually have had a couple of catholic friends and the way they explained it to me is they in their in their mind and their thinking they revere her for being the mother of Jesus for raising him for sacrificing what she did but they refuse to acknowledge that they worship her and when they pray to her they're not expecting Mary to answer their prayers the same way they expect Jesus and his father to do so they're literally like passing a prayer request up to Mary. Okay, kind of like, um, kind of like at the, uh, the, the, the the wedding feast, where Jesus, or the the groom or whoever comes to Mary, <clears throat> yeah. and Mary then goes, "Okay, Jesus, do do whatever he says." Yeah, I'm your mama. Please do this for me. Right. You know, bat they're, your they're, eyes. Look these cute. people, these people are coming <laughs> to me. Yep. I'm taking them to you. And they will literally use that text. To support this so you're, ah! you're hitting the nail on the head and okay. so they think well if i can pass if i really have a need i can pass this prayer request to brian and to zach but i am a moron if i don't pass this up to to god's mother up in heaven so that she can come to her son and try to while i pray and the priest prays and you pray and mary prays God is going to hear me because I've got all these other prayer warriors, one of them being his own mother up there. And so that's where we differ from the Catholics. If I sit here and I try to speak so that Mary can hear me, I don't have any faith that she can do so. I have all faith that she's in heaven with her son, who is Almighty God. But it's the son who's going to hear what I have to say because only the son is omniscient enough to hear those prayers. Right. And so that is the big difference. Um, if you ever, and this is really going to appeal to non-Catholics, because if you're Catholic and you hear this, you, you've already heard some things, but something in pop culture, if you've never graced a church, let alone a Catholic church, but the exorcism horror movies that always keep coming out, you'll hear the, the, the exorcism rite. It'll say, Mother Mary, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. And it's like they're asking all these people, in heaven to start praying on behalf of the exorcists so they can fight the evil that's in front of them. Mm-hmm. And this is the style of the Catholic Church. They'll honor and revere her 
and they have no problem thinking they can pass prayer requests up to the mother, up to the archangel, up to the saints. And so they are literally hanging out up there with Jesus. Nobody's closer to Jesus than the saints. And so these people are, can you be with Bucky in Indiana? <laughs> he has a sprained toe. And so, and so they're passing these prayer requests to the Lord. Now, that's where we differ is I do not think a single saint up there can hear me. Yeah. Like if I got up there and I started hearing other people's prayers down below, I'd start to freak out. Like only <laughs> God can handle that much information at once. Yeah, yeah. Because you think about it, one, like I mean, like, is it just the saints? Is it just people who believe in Jesus? And if that's the case, I mean, you still have thousands. Oh goodness. On this side of uh, on this side of heaven, there's probably thousands of people who are Christian, um, at least thousands. Um, so if you're up in heaven hanging out and all of a sudden you get bombarded by thousands of people <laughs> yeah. praying different languages than your language, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be kind of chaotic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's going to be like the worst chatter you've ever heard. It's like going into a massive stadium and trying to pick out every individual conversation that's on the bleachers around you. Right. It's not going to happen. So – I know we're getting close to time, but I had awesome. one more question Bring about it. this that um, as I was kind of preparing for this and trying to put a list of stuff together to talk about. Some prayers that you hear people pr- pray or like um, what you see sermons or pastors or other denominations. Mm-hmm. Some prayers people will actually pray to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Other prayers, they pray to the Father. Mm-hmm. So is, I mean, and we all know, you know, that God is three in one. Mm-hmm. God is Jesus. God yeah. is God. Yeah. God is the Holy Spirit. But is there a difference or does it matter if you're with Christ, whether you pray to Jesus or pray to the Father? Like as far as like the, I guess the, the structure of your prayer, because I think a lot of people um, have that question too. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's a great question. Uh, uh, probably, I will not answer it somebody's particular uh, desire, because I'm sure they're like that person's a heretic. <laughs> oh, they um, already think it because of the whole Mary thing. we've already we've already been shunned yeah. by the uh, by the whole Catholic faith just right. now. So yeah, yeah. But I think, I think praying to the Father, uh, maybe it's maybe it's just habit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really thought a lot about it. Um, I know when Jesus does the model prayer, he says, "Father who art mm-hmm. in heaven." I mean, so there is an element of that in it. Um, so that's where I would go myself to say that there is some. A, a preference there of because the person you're one I think this goes into kind of like some of the ideas of early Christian thinkers and apologists back in the first second and third century before before it was really big that a lot of people kind of like had like like each person of the Trinity had like different jobs and 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 so because they had that thinking um like uh so the holy spirit was the one that kind of like guided your prayers and 
draw drew people to the Lord, and and Jesus was the, the atonement, and God the Father is like the all powerful being. Mm. Not that they're not all powerful because they all are, but there's kind of like I, I want to be careful. Maybe a I don't want to say hierarchy, but maybe in a way that well, there are a lot of people that kind of put it in those terms. Right, right. You know, like the Father is kind of overarching mm-hmm. over all mm-hmm. like and then you have the son and then you have the spirit right. that are under the father right yeah. like that's how you i mean mm-hmm. I, I know what you're yeah, saying because right, right. you you have a lot of people who kind of that's kind of the best way i think we can kind of understand it right right you know? and, I, and i think that's where my mind goes yeah as far as like when we pray we pray to the father mm-hmm. because of the examples we see in the, in the scripture I mean, if someone says, Jesus, hey, Jesus, could you do this? I, I, I'm not going to be like, that person's a heretic. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I, I, feel like, I feel like, in my opinion, Robert, you can, you can vouch for yourself here in a second, but I don't, I don't, I don't feel inclined to think um, that those per- <laughs> Apologize. Um, well, we'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't feel like that people who pray like to Jesus or whatever are theologically wrong. I just think that that that's kind of like a different example of of, of prayer. And yeah. maybe I'm wrong. Well, with that? Um, I don't know. No, I mean I I kind of agree with you. Like most of the time when I pray, you know, I'm praying to the Father. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. I have caught myself like if I'm there are times though that i've caught myself like if i'm in a very stressful situation or like i feel myself you know a bad mood coming on or something like that i i have actually caught myself praying to the holy spirit before of Mm -hmm. just like hey because he's you know the holy spirit's a part of you Mm -hmm. and it's just like well you changed my heart I feel myself going to a dark place, you know, or if I'm talking to somebody, just be like, spirit, give me the words, give me the wisdom, give me the, you know, whatever, you know, as more of a, a very intimate. <laughs> Sorry. I nailed the crap out of my knee. <laughs> oh. I didn't know what you were doing. I just look over. <laughs> 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 I slammed my knee in the table. Jeez, oh, dude. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I just wanted to. Want... <laughs> I was like, I said something really offensive just now because I look over and you're just. <laughs> I thought you were trying to like stifle a, gl- a laugh or something. Yeah, I was like, what did I say? <laughs> no, bury it deep. <laughs> no, but like, if it's something very in the moment or if it's something very like i don't know does that kind of make sense like like if i'm talking to somebody and i really need like what do i say in this situation what do i need to do in this situation or to figure something out like i'm stumped on something i need direction or like you know like i said I'm, i feel myself going to a dark place i'm getting in a really foul mood i'm angry about something mm-hmm. just like spirit please correct my heart please you know whatever's going on please get me on the other side of this correct it whatever 
And so, you know, I catch myself doing that as well. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything personally wrong with praying directly to Jesus. I'm, I mean, that's great. But, yeah, I think it's a preference thing. But It really is. I've thought a lot about that one because I actually remember a professor in our Bible college who was very dogmatic about it. He's, he looked up all the points in the Gospels where Jesus prayed, mm-hmm. and he used this as a blueprint to say it's biblical. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus prayed to the Father mm-hmm. by the power of the Holy Spirit, he made it into this formula. He said it's biblical to pray to the Father in the power of the Spirit in the name of the Son. And I just remember thinking, well, Jesus isn't schizophrenic. He's not going to pray to himself. <laughs> and so he's not going to go in the woods and go, me, hello, <laughs> Smeagol. But uh, yes, precious, yes, precious, to the cross as we go. But uh <laughs> He's not going to do it. <laughs> so to say that that's strictly biblical is just unhealthy. And so, and I respect his opinions, but I see it the total end of the spectrum. They are all God. They all have the exact same structure, essence, power, might. They all have the same mission. They're all on the same page. Before they, re- before they even have time to communicate, they already can read each other's minds. They're all omniscient. And so my view on prayer is as long as it's the one true God, mm-hmm. it, it, I, my view is very fluid with it. You can pray to the Father. You can pray to the Son. You can pray to the Spirit as long as it's always in the name of Christ because he's the only way to that God. Yeah. And I would argue, well, it's just logical that you would pray first and foremost to the Father. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would shamelessly throw the word hierarchy out there because it's a – it's a structure that they themselves chose to impose upon themselves. Jesus obeys his father. Mm-hmm. The spirit is sent out by both the father and the son. So there's this structure where the father calls the shots, but he's no more powerful than the son or the spirit. It's mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. same. They're all in the same playing field. Yeah. It's just the father said go and the son said yes, Lord. And so they subordinate themselves under that structure. And there was even a time where he, Jesus said it in two different ways. Like he's preaching about prayer and he says, you know, whatever you ask the Father in my name, it can move mountains. Well, then there's another time he says, whatever you ask me in my name, that will I do. Mm-hmm. And so he, it, he just has this idea that it's just going to bounce back and forth and the whole thing's going to quiet. As long as you're praying to the same God. Mm-hmm. It, and it's in line with what God revealed in Christ would want you to pray for in the spirit that he'd want you to pray it in. Mm-hmm. He will bless it according to his wisdom, regardless of which person you're directed at. I would argue if there's two, three people and you only pray to the one specifically and almost ignore the other two, mm-hmm. uh, you know, don't let them be strangers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, God is God. I think, uh, and a lot of times when people are very um very convinced it's one or the other you know mm-hmm. I, I one thing you hear a lot is when they're saying like well jesus himself said that he doesn't even know some things like only the oh, father yeah. knows and so they use that as evidence of mm-hmm. like the father is somehow more mm-hmm. omniscient oh, yeah. knows more than jesus is is more mm-hmm. powerful because mm-hmm. there are po- things that only the father knows and so you do hear that as an argument used a lot yeah and i mean that that's kind of valid 
you know it is, it, it is but it, it kind of goes back to your hierarchy of yeah. that's just kind of how they chose to structure yeah well and it could even be something that has to do with the fact that jesus whenever he was talking about that that was his earthly ministry yeah um so it could even be like talks about you know like in the bible it says that he lowered himself mm-hmm. for a little while so that he could then you exactly. know basically redeem us so yeah. now that he's no longer in uh, our sphere right now that he's regained that um authority and position and influence and all those things yeah and i mean that was kind of i I always use the illustration of a faucet Mm -hmm. you can have the water just blaring off you could turn it down a little bit you could turn it completely off and that was jesus's godness his power on earth like Mm -hmm. he went to school he had to sleep and he had to eat breakfast but then five minutes later, he'd know exactly what someone across the room was thinking, word for word. Mm-hmm. And then you'd ask him about the end of the world. He's like, I don't know. And then, But he could tell you in extreme detail what was going to come. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like that faucet. Like he could yeah. turn it off and on depending on what the, the spirit directed him to do. And even depending upon, I would say, also the motives of the person asking the question. Oh, yeah. Like He knew mm-hmm. when to bounce them away. If 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 he knew that that person was going to take something what he said and run with it in a direction that Mm -hmm. he that would hinder his ultimate mission you know he would not tell them anything no yeah and two you know of an an earthly physical mortal body Mm -hmm. it probably can't sustain the full power of god <laughs> like uh, all the time right no. like yeah. that's probably you know by design like right. you know we our bodies wouldn't if if our human bodies look on the face of god you know we yeah. we die we so i mean just imagine trying to contain the full power mm-hmm. of god not to save jesus again i'm not trying to go into that he wasn't all powerful <laughs> oh yeah don't get me wrong don't no, go, don't heretic <laughs> but but no. i do but i do like your analogy of just like I, I, he has the power the full power of god but yep. yet he had to channel it yeah right. it's not just is not boom all at once because yeah. that's revelation and he would not have ridden into the yeah. jerusalem the first time like that and expected anybody to want to crucify him <laughs> they'd be like yeah. we want to do what now <laughs> we're gonna capture yeah. this this glowing man in the sky with fire eyes okay yeah i mean i mean there is the instance where he after the the um uh, configuration Oh, the transfiguration. Transfiguration, yeah, I was gonna figure the right word there, where even people looked at him and were like, "Hmm, something happened." Whoa. Okay. Got a glow. Oh about there's, there's, a, there's something <laughs> yeah. going on there. I know it does make me wonder if he had that had any kind of physical difference for a while, mm-hmm. or if he was maybe physically just exhausted. Or if he just went skipping off the mountain. I, I'm, I'm sure the disciples were shell-shocked. He took three of them up there with him. He's like, okay, come on, guys. <laughs> They're probably like, uh, are we ever going to be able to get close enough to him again? Because now it just feels eerie mm. yeah. to be there. But, yep, um, I know we ran a little bit long on this one. Does anybody have – either of you have any final thoughts, anything to land the plane on? Just do it. Pray. Yeah, just do it. If you if you were to write the perfect inspirational book on prayer, eat, pray, love, eat, pray, love, 
It would just say, <laughs> look, just suck it up and do it. Yeah. He's waiting. He's listening. There he is. And then the and whole, he loves you. <laughs> and he loves you. And all the rest of the pages would have been blank. <laughs> it's that simple. If we'll let it be that simple. Nice. All right. Well, I had a lot of fun. I think that was a great episode. Um, like I said, I know it went a little bit long, but I think there was some some great stuff in there. Uh, hope all of y'all listening enjoyed that as well. Uh, once again, uh, leave us a like, leave us a review, um, share with your friends and family. We'd love to spread the podcast, have it grow. Uh, and with that, um, yeah, we will uh, be with y'all on the next episode. Yay. Bye-bye.